0: Welcome in to another episode of the Esports Network podcast, presented, of course, by Esports Network. I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today I'm talking to Dan Feiden. He's the president of Cloud9 and Kent Wakeford, co founder and vice chairman of Gen G Esports. Dan, Kent, how are you guys doing today? Hey, how are you doing? doing great today? today. Yeah, good. Thank you both for joining. Not one, but two illustrious guests. And today we are talking about Flashpoint. In case you missed the announcement, it's a new CSGO tournament series, it promises an entertaining product with influences from events like the UFC and WWE, it's all based around just high-quality CSGO gameplay with plenty of banter and $2 million in prizes for 2020. C9 and Gen.G are two of the teams headlining this new tournament series, along with other strong teams like Made in Brazil, Contact Gaming, Mad Lions, and Dignitas. So guys, what is Flashpoint offering that the CSGO scene was missing before this new tournament series?
1: Dan, you want to dive in or you want me to go first? So
2: I, I sure, I can, I can take this one.
1: Um, I,
2: I think that, that really there are two things that are important about Flashpoint. The first really is about the content. Um, when, when kind of looking at the opportunity in Counter-Strike, one of the things that um, we really felt like what was important was um, to get back to the roots of the game and the roots of the kind of content that that that, that has made the Counter strike community vibrant and interesting and exciting for as long as it 's been around almost twenty years now um, and so when we when we started the project, we made the decision to let the creative direction um, happen um, by essentially tapping the people who really pioneered what esports content was and um and is and uh and what count what counter strike content uh, was and is who strangely hadn't really had as much of a direct influence on more recent leagues and tournaments. So we so we engaged people like um Thorin and Semler and really handed over the the keys to the the creative direction um, of our content to them. And I think what we're going to end up producing is a highly differentiated product that um, appeals to grown-up fans of esports and Counter-Strike in a grown-up way, really emphasizes the big characters, both, you know, on the teams and in the management of the teams, um, the, you know, highlights and kind of lets loose the amazing talent that exists in the Counter-Strike community and creates something with really compelling storylines um, not just o- o- over the course of one season but hopefully o- o- over the course of many many seasons um, so I think it's going to be a really product the the second thing that that obviously you know I've, I've I've talked about a few different times before is we really felt like we needed to fundamentally restructure the economics of, um, professional Counter-Strike in a way that, um, really, you know, um, sufficiently awarded, I think, where the, where the fan affinity resides, which is with the teams and the team brands and the players and their amazing gameplay and personalities. And so rather than, you know, kind of a third party tournament organizer capturing the majority of the revenue, um, and leaving the teams, uh, on, you know, and the, and the players as, you know, essentially hired help on a starvation diet. We've, we've, we've restructured this in such a way that we think we're going to be able to finally, after many, many years of trying to figure out how to solve this problem, make Counter-Strike as a professional esport economically viable, and in fact, really attractive.
0: Awesome. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there. It, the focus on adult audiences, the path to profitability, I want to go through all of it with you. Uh, when you talk about that profitability, how is this structure so much different? So for people who aren't as aware of, you know, how revenue sharing worked with a third-party tournament system, uh, what are the what's the new ownership split and how does that impact the revenues coming in for this tournament series versus some of the ones that were popular in the past?
1: Hey, Dan, can I take this at a high level and then you can get into the details of the splits? Sure. So I think one, yeah. th- one thing that is um, radically different with, with Flashpoint is that there's a team-owned league. What you see in so many of the other leagues is it's either a league operator or the game publisher on the one side that's running the league. And as the league operator, they have their own their own goals, their, their, their sales goals, their media goals, whatever their goals are. And it is isolated to what they are delivering uh, and what they're going to do for their, for their individual partner. And what often happens, and, and we've seen it, you know, in, in a number of different leagues is there becomes a tension between the league on the one hand and the team and the players on the other hand. And, that causes a, a bad experience on so many different levels. It means that the, the teams and the players are not as engaged, not as uh, motivated, not as financially aligned to create the best end product for, you know, whether, whether it's the sponsors or the fans or anyone else. And with Flashpoint, we're, we're breaking that, that barrier down and we are aligning everybody so that whether it is a, a business sponsor that's being brought in, whether it's a media partner, whether it's a live event, and we're doing fan, something around the fans or a fan engagement, or even a meet and greet or whatever it is, whatever revenue is generated that comes in to this entity is shared with the teams, with the players, and everyone is fully aligned to drive the ultimate success, And it is not this island mentality of one side against another. It is we're all in this together. We can all make the the most rockin', kick-butt product ever seen in eSports. And if we do that, we're all going to be financially rewarded. And I think that is radically different than what you see in other places.
2: In terms of kind of the share of revenue you've asked about that, it's pretty straightforward, right? We've tried to, um, in contrast to some of the other, um, opportunities that exist in Counter Strike, and I'm sure that you guys have kind of heard about. We've tried to create a, a, a revenue sharing stru- structure that's really simple and straightforward. So, you know, essentially, the 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 league itself, the league entity, and and ultimately the you know there will be employees that are just solely solely employees of the league entity. It takes 20%. The the teams take 80%, and then the and then the players will take a third of of the teams. it's 33.4 percent and that's a um that's a that's the result of the negotiation with the csppa um that we haven't (laughs) we haven't signed the contract yet but but we already have agreed on financial terms
0: fantastic yeah it's a really unique structure and it's an important one so make sure that everybody who's driving esports the organizations the players everyone's being fairly compensated uh, for the work that they're doing. So looking at the adult audiences thing, obviously CSGO is a game that's already marketed towards adults. It's more violent than other esports, uh, So it's focused on that adult audience, but what else does this mean from a league perspective? How else does this change uh, the way broadcasts are going to be run or how you're going to interact with fans when you're saying from the get go, Hey, this is a league. Made by adults, made for adults. How does that change what you can do with the league?
2: Well, I just think we can we can be comfortable with um, both the core content. I think that there have been um, attempts, and, and not unreasonably, frankly, you know, in, in an effort to solve what I think are stru- actually structural problems in in previous kind of Counter Strike leagues. Um, you know, companies have pursued ways to drive additional revenue um, in the hope that they would eventually make, make, make this thing financially make sense. And, and I think one of the ways that, you know, some esports have done that is by um, appealing to very mass market, big brand sponsors. Um, but when you look at a game like Counter-Strike, Counter-Strike is, you know, it, it is a game that, that's for grown-ups. There's some, you know, there's some controversial content in it. Um, uh, and so they've tried to downplay the content. Um, in fact, you know, in the past, there have been projects where they try to do Counter-Strike media, media product or programming that doesn't show the game at all. It just talks about the players, right? And, and you know, discussions about changing CT and T to offense and defense. These are not illogical kind of, attempts to try and solve the problem but fundamentally what what Counter-Strike fans love about professional Counter-Strike is professional Counter-Strike right so you, you need to be comfortable with that content and 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 if you're going to be comfortable with that content then I think you need to or you have the opportunity to kind of embrace um the the community and the tone in the community and the tone of some of the interesting thoughtful people about um about this game right you know there's we're we're kind of very lucky to be working so closely with with Duncan Shields who um I personally think is one of the smartest people I've met um in all of esports. period in any role he is not necessarily like the easiest most cuddly person he's he will tell you what he thinks. He'll tell you clearly. And sometimes that can be painful and he can be very blunt, right? And I think that people see that in his in his casting and his online persona. I think that's okay, right? That That's part of what makes Counter-Strike vibrant. So I, I don't necessarily think that trying to, um, you know, uh, moderate the, the, the vibrancy in the community is, is, a, is a logical way to go. I think that that risks alienating what it is that people love about Counter-Strike and the CFC. Um So I I don't really see the, the, our decision to kind of go in this direction as in any way risky. I actually think it's just a reflection of the fact that we're kind of comfortable with what Counter-Strike is, who Counter-Strike fans are and, and what kind of content they, they love. It seemed to me like a pretty, a pretty logical business decision to say, let's do the thing and play up the thing that people already love rather than trying to kind of hide from it. Yeah. And
1: I, I would take it even one step further, which is, you know, as, as Dan was saying, there's been this kind of box put around the content, what's said, what, what's asked because a lot of the lead, the, 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 the existing and prior leagues have, have tried to placate a very broad audience, whether it's a broad media partner or a sponsor, or whatever it is, and they want to go to the lowest common denominator of, you know, kind of vanilla-ness. And what we're doing is we're taking those, con- those constraints away and, and then going to the casters and all, all this amazing talent who's been told what not to do for so long yeah. and telling them, you can do this now. And not only can you do those things you wanted to do in the past that were kind of fun and engaging but you were told not to, think of more like, push, let's push the boundaries, let's push the limits, let's really go deep into the community and figure out what's going to kind of really draw out the personalities and and excitement and joy um, across the board, whether it's the casters, whether it's the the players, whether it's the team ownership or the fans, how do we bring that to the foreground and really have fun with it? Uh, And so that's been a specific mandate. So I think we're going to see some really fun, exciting stuff out of the casters. And and then, and then there's also, like, what happens behind the scenes. I mean, I know my team and, – and I have to say, first, you know, I've known Dan forever. I love him like a brother. But I am also going to compete so fiercely hard against him. And my players – I have three players who came from cloud nine who all feel like they got dissed by Jack who just want to go out there and kick C9's butt so friggin' hard – and I'm going to celebrate it. We're going to get up on tabletops and celebrate every time we, we, we beat C9. And that's like, you don't normally get to like do this and like have the fun with it, but that's going to happen. And we're going to like, we're going to just do everything we can to support that fun and that rivalry and, and the thrill of every victory in C9. I love the banter. Right here, right now, I'm throwing it down.
2: Yeah, somehow I'm not. Somehow I'm not worried.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, just Gen. you wait, my friend.
0: Oh, I love this banter. It's beautiful between Genji and Cloud Nine. Already trash talking trash, and the league doesn't even start for another month. So this will be fun. By the time we get to that point, uh, you mentioned the different broadcast talents involved, and this does seem like a league designed for people like Thorin and Monte Cristo who are such outspoken personalities and well-accomplished casters, but that has gotten them in trouble in the past. And so Flashpoint taking the reins off them a little bit is going to really lead to an insanely entertaining product. And it goes so much deeper. You mentioned Semler, there's Moses, James Bardolph. There's so many big names on the casting and the entertainment side that are going to be working with Flashpoint. So I'm so excited to see all the different things they can produce. Uh, and banter is one of the big things. So are you really encouraging teams to, to talk as much trash players to get on stage and throw it down? Almost FGC level banter is what I'm expecting based on the announcement. Is that fair to expect from this league?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, you know, the, 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 the banter and the, and the, the competitiveness, competitiveness between the players and the orgs um, is real. Right. And, and I, I think it's one of the things that's really interesting um, and fun about esports generally and Counter-Strike specifically. And, you know, I think when you kind of think about it this way, it's, it's weirdly, it's kind of like weirdly surprising that it isn't played up much so much more in, in, in uh, other, in other products. You know what I mean? It, it, it seems like it's one of the unique kind of advantages of, of esports. I also think, you know, it kind of, it's not just a banter, right? Like, though, I think that's going to be fun. I I think it's really important that, you know, we we were having a conversation um, last week about this um, because, you know, we got some, we got some shit about the um, uh, conflict in the qualifier schedule. Um, I think we need to be super transparent. What esports fans want, is to be treated like grownups with actual opinion they're the most important people in this whole ecosystem by the way right like and so when we screw up or if we're doing something that you don't like i i never want it to feel like we've got some kind of like you know gagged corporate stooge that that will make a really generic statement like the you know esl statement that they made after all the it went down with um, EPL. Uh, not, not, again, not to kick ESL yet again, but like, it, it, that isn't necessary, right? Put like one of the owners or the, the person running the league or whoever it is on Twitch with the players or the fans that have this issue and, and give us our medicine. And if we don't have a good, um, a good rationale for doing what it is that we're doing, or we're not willing to kind of engage directly with the fans and be honest with them about how we're trying to build this thing. I don't think it's going to work. Um, I, 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 I actually think we, you know, if, if, if you're honest and you're clear and you're thoughtful and you appreciate the feedback and, you know, um, fans are going to, fans are going to like that. Right. It's one of the reasons, again, I'm talking about Thorin a lot, but like, you know, when when Thorin came in, Thorin and Monty came in, to basically, you know, give us feedback on the initial design of the competitive format um, for the league and some other things. And and, um, they basically just took an enormous shit on it in the room and told, you know, essentially told all of us that we were really dumb. And And then they explained what was, you know, essentially the format that we have now and why it was a better approach. And if we were afraid of getting negative feedback and, you know, news that sometimes some somehow bad we wouldn't have made you know we wouldn't have gotten to what we think is a much much cooler more interesting and differentiated format and i think that that that's the attitude that we always want to have in this product with with not just people like Thorin or monty but 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 the fans
0: yeah and letting them speak their opinion and actually listen to it i i know uh monty just left the overwatch league and he cited that you know they weren't really listening to his Creative Direction is one of the reasons he left. I know both your organizations compete in the Overwatch League. In fact, I'm wearing a Soul Dynasty shirt right now. My Spitfire one is in the wash. Oh, Ken, you
1: sold one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Dan, I I don't know if you've looked at any of the rankings this year, but whether it's the the Overwatch League or our um, LCK team, I, I think we're ranked well above your teams, Dan.
2: I, I I think it's pretty difficult to be ranked higher than a six and 0 League of Legends team, but all right, maybe that math works. Oh
1: really? Take a look at uh, ESPN's <laughs> rankings right now. All I think right, you're ranked number to nine, I will. something like that. Um, I will. Yeah, we, okay. we have to be ranked right, well, number yeah. two. <laughs> Last time I checked, <laughs> two is higher than nine, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: I had all these questions about sponsorships and brand partners, but I just kind of want to hear you two talk shit the whole podcast. It's, uh, but there is something I do really want to ask you about, about Flashpoint and about how the league's being brought. It connects into that adult audiences thing. And one of the biggest areas of growth in esports is the betting world. Uh, I'm in Las Vegas right now, and most of the strip casinos are not touching esports, but you're seeing more and more opportunities pop up for ways to bet on eSports. But one of the key concerns is the young age of many players on different leagues and teams. It's pretty much a constant throughout eSports. But with Flashpoint's focus on adult audiences, will there be more opportunities to bring betting into the narrative surrounding the Flashpoint League? Because it's something I'm really excited about. It's something I would love to see more in eSports.
2: Yeah, I completely agree, and and I I've talked to um, again. I'm gonna you guys are gonna start talking about me and me and Duncan, but uh, I was talking to Duncan about this um, just a couple of weeks ago. I yeah, I mean, we we absolutely. I, I can't. I'm I'm probably gonna get the data point wrong here, so forgive me. But I I read not not too long ago that um, in online books in Europe. Esports, if you consider it kind of one sport, it's something like the sixth largest um, take um, across across the, the online books in Europe. So you know it is it is the sixth most bet upon um, kind of sport uh, it, on those books. Um, it, please somebody send me a tweet or something if if I got the data point wrong. But this is something that people are already doing, right? And there are lots of reasons for it. Reasons for it. It's like an incredibly compelling thing that people are engaged in through sports, right? Um, we, we are absolutely comfortable with and plan to lean into that element of the, um, of, of the community and the fandom of Counter-Strike and, and do it in a way that's, you know, hopefully um, a little cooler than you know, each of the casters makes a prediction for who's going to win next week, which is done by literally every league, everywhere, always, and is super boring at this point, right? Like, like I think I think something much cooler than that is what you should expect from
0: us. Cool. I, I It's such an interesting time in the betting landscape. We're seeing, obviously, the Supreme Court legalized sports betting in the U.S., or turned it to a state decision, I should say, in the U.S. And now uh, 20 states have legislation in various degrees Legalizing sports gambling, and most of that includes esports. A couple places, actually, uh, Indiana specifically, it was like no esports at all, and that's partially due to the young age, which is just a weird choice from Indiana, but that's fine with me. Uh, so it's it's cool to see how that's also changed broadcasts, and you've seen things on ESPN now that are like against all odds, which is literally a betting-focused show that never would have been on TV five, six years ago. And so it's it's really cool to be able to open that up and to look at some new ways of doing it. I'd love to see, you know, some daily fantasy sort of stuff from the casters or uh, a parlay, an underdog pick, an upset pick, what's on the what's on the latest spread. So I think there's a lot of awesome opportunities to weave in betting content into this league because you're so focused on adults and allowing it to be. Such a free broadcast it opens up such cool opportunities in addition to just the betting we've also talked a little bit about some brand partnerships and both of your organizations are two of the best at bringing in brands to the esports space c9 you've worked with at and bmw and that puma commercial from the end of last year one of the coolest esports things i saw uh in all of 2019 i loved it it was super awesome Gen G worked with McDonald's, the University of Kentucky, which was a super smart partnership, and a female-focused Fortnite Bumble uh, partnership, which was smart and important for esports and gaming as a whole. So as two experts on bringing brands to esports, where are the brand conversations around Flashpoint at right now? I'm not sure what you can disclose, what you can't disclose, uh, but is there talks to bring on some brands ready to launch with Flashpoint?
1: We're... we're- we're in active discussions right now with a number of brands. Um, you know, I think you gave a, a ton of great examples. Um, you know, the Bumble example is a great example. And that was for our female uh, Fortnite team. You know, here, as Dan said, the the content is, is going to be geared for a more mature audience. It's going to be a little bit more raw. And so we have to find those brands that, that, want to embrace that. And there's there's plenty of them that are out there, but it's going to be different than some of the existing brands that that we we currently work with. But so far, we're finding, you know, that there are a number of brands who are really excited by uh, the vision of what we're trying to do and and equally as excited about the talent that's around the table and knowing that there's something that's going to be um, uniquely differentiated from other esports broadcasts and more aligned or attuned to you know whether it's a UFC or a barstool e- sport bar stool sports like it is it is very different and I think what we're going to be able to show is something that it, um, not only can bring sponsors deeper into the experience uh, but also can, can provide something that's like highly relevant for them
2: yeah and 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 I would I would also just add that I think the, the structure of our league, the ownership structure of the, the league and the very cleanly aligned interests of the teams within the league and the league itself create, I think, a much easier and better opportunity for brands, right? What brands don't wanna do is end up having to do a small deal with really limited inventory and uncool kind of activations around a league and then have no involvement from teams or players, um, and 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 kind of vice versa. Teams, I think, you know, and and brands want to be able to tell the story of an individual team or their players through the course of a league over o- over kind of the storylines that develop in a in a season or multiple seasons. And and so I think our kind of structural approach and economic approach to this league actually just unlocks a whole lot of brands that are just kind of impossible to get to in 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 kind of the old school counter-stricties
0: definitely one of the cool things it brings is having the team owners you mentioned the structure is now all these you have so many existing partners throughout all the partner teams dignitas immortals overactive uh, c9 and gen g obviously and there's sort of a benefit of bringing those partners you're already working with to flashpoint because it's team owned So I think that gives you like a roster in a way that that wouldn't happen for an ESL because there's no benefit for the team to bring their partners over there. Not really, at least. So it kind of gives you a nice roster of different brands to start conversations with. I I don't know if that's how it's been playing out in the discussions where they already have a touching off point with these different organizations, or is it just something where you're uh, you're just reaching out to brands that make sense that have advertised in CSGO in the past, or are you looking at different partners that are already aligned with some of the teams and people in the, uh, in the league? Well, I think I, I, I... mean, at least for... Go sorry, go ahead, Kent. Uh, I was just going to say that for us, it's
2: kind of the answer is both of those things, but clearly existing partners, um, you know, a lot of, I, I think, especially for the biggest brands, right? And and what we kind of sometimes refer to as non-endemic brands, many of them are making their first investment in esports and and trying to kind of talk directly to the esports fan base for the for the first time. And um, and so part of that decision in in any of the for any of those companies is developing a relationship of trust with whoever it is that they've chosen. So for us, we feel like we have you know, build us and, and hopefully continue to kind of have with folks like Puma, for example, um, a lot of trust. And so when new opportunities come up, if they already trust us and they, they feel like we've delivered real value for them and work with them well, it's pretty logical for them to kind of, you know, through us get involved in new opportunities in esports. And this is certainly one of them.
1: Yeah, and let me help. let me kind of even take this one step further. So we so we've talked a little bit about sponsors and the ability to to tap into each of our collective um, sponsors to bring them into Flashpoint. But then if you look at the ownership groups as you mentioned, there's a vast array of really interesting ownership groups behind the teams, ranging from like AEG roles and AEG is is the largest, um, you know, event uh, company in the world with venues all over the world, um, you know, is, and, and that is a critical point part of what we do. We're, we're going to be throwing live events, two major championships every single year all around the world. We have a great partner there. We have uh, Overactive Media has a partnership with Universal Music, um, We have, uh, Cloud9 has a relationship with WWE, you know, so there's these areas that we can tap into that you don't necessarily have if you're just a, you know, an ESL or a company like that. We have these companies that have a financial interest in the outcome, you know, through the teams. And if we all collectively do this right, it's a, it's a win across the board. So I think that we are strategically aligned to bring uh, a lot of uh, really powerful companies to the table to help deliver on a great fan experience.
0: It's the coolest thing about this structure, in my opinion, just all the different people and companies and players and managers and broadcasters, everybody coming in and having a financial stake in it. Really means that it's more than just a, a broadcast talent contract. It's actually a collaborative environment, and the results are shared with everybody. So it's a really unique structure in esports, and it's something that I wonder if it'll catch on in more leagues in the in the future because it's uh, it's so unique, but also makes so much sense on so many different levels.
2: Our our priority, you know, this is a this is a startup. This is a startup company. And nothing is more important to us than executing on the product, right? We really need to make sure that we get the product right. And, and we think it's going to be great. And we think we have the best people, especially on the, on the talent side, um, working on this, um, which is, you know, the right place to start on, you know, on executing something good, but, um, but if we if we can if we can execute and deliver um i think it's going to be transformational for the esports industry you know i don't i don't think there's a way to to kind of go back to the old school after this
0: those paths to profitability are so crucial for esports organizations to make sure that everybody is being fairly compensated and that you know this can be a sustainable industry in the long term and not necessarily as reliant on funding rounds as it is right now, and it can actually be self-sustaining and build out all those different revenue models. It's really crucial for eSports growth. So wrapping up right now, I wanna give you one last chance. The league starts in March. Is there an official first day of it? I've just seen March. Do we have the the first day of competition?
2: There, There is, we, we do have the first day scheduled. I. Um I don't think that we're allowed to say what that is yet. I don't think okay. that we've done the official, but, um, but it has been scheduled.
0: You're welcome to announce it right now, if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, just kidding. Just kidding. So March 2020, uh, date to be announced. It's set, but to be announced. Why should people tune in to Flashpoint uh, what are you guys going to be doing and what do you have in store for that very first initial broadcast?
2: I I think that people, you know, my, my belief is that people should tune in to see what happens. I think every week, every day when we put out content over the course of this uh, league, they're going to want to see what happens. It's going to be impossible to predict what's going to be said, what's going to happen on the broadcast. And I think it's going to be something that you just cannot afford to wait until the next day to see it, um, you know, in a Reddit thread, you're going to want to watch it while it's there.
1: Yeah. And I mean, we just went through the, the talent, you know, everyone who we talked about, we know their personalities, they are unleashed. There is going to be a, a, Oh my God moment. Did you see that? I can't believe that that happened. Moment the first day you got to tune in, you got to watch it this is it's going to be something that's going to be a, you know a must watch just to be part of that like <laughs> that just what the hell happened uh moment in in each of these broadcasts
0: yeah that was uh that was one of the coolest things about the announcement video was it had all these different clips uh from every one of the broadcasters and all of those uh what the what the f moments that went down while they were broadcasting and the hype in CSGO. When the when the hype reaches its its high point, there's no other esport that can really compete with just how hype CSGO can get. So really looking forward to that in Flashpoint. And if C9 and Gen G end up squaring off, remember the the rivalry that started. Here on this podcast with a nice trash talk from Dan Feiden, president of Cloud9 and Kent Wakeford, co-founder and vice chairman of G Esports. Be on the lookout for Flashpoint coming March 2020.